0: Because those are the people that represent all of us, right mm-hmm. those that those 30 40, fifty people that are going to Capitol Hill that went to Capitol Hill earlier this week, they represent all of us and in historically PPI has done such a great job of making you know it's an application process yeah so I really probably don't... why I haven't been there yet. <laughs> Like a wagon wheel, rock me, Kirby, any way you feel. Hey, Kirby, rock me. Rock me, Kirby, like the wind and the rain. Rock me, Kirby like a southbound train. Hey, Kirby, rock me. And that's how we start episode number 153 of the promo front podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Bill Petrie. Let's call him the legendary leader of lead, the one and only Kirby Hossaman. Kirby, how the work hard are you? You know what? I'm doing well, man. I
1: uh, just got back from a quick little golf trip with uh, buddies um, for actually for a, a fundraiser event in Indianapolis. And so that was really good. Always good to kind of recharge and have some fun with that. Um, that also good to be serenaded by Darius Rucker, uh, aka Bill Petrie, as I start out my day. So I'm doing well, buddy. How about you?
0: Doing good. Had a come back from the big slick weekend. I have a feeling we're going to talk about that. And had a really uh, great time there. And shaping up to be a beautiful weekend. And pretty excited about that. But uh, you know, I, when I was thinking when I was traveling, there's a lot of things you always see that have commonalities. And you know, Kirby, it got me to thinking. I have a quiz for you to start off today. Oh, okay. Right, okay. A cold quiz. I want you to tell me what these things have in common. Okay okay navy Fe- navy federal credit union you've heard of them right okay yeah uh uh Ernest and julio gala winery heard of them 20th century pictures rider truck line and warner brothers cartoons what do all those things have in common kirby <laughs> <sighs>
1: well that's a tough one um you can say you don't know it's okay I, 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 i'm, I'm they, springing this on you yeah they,
0: they they want to be eco-friendly i i, I don't know nope Nope, they all started in 1933, which makes them 90 years old this year. And I'd like to add one more company to that illustrious list of organizations, and that'd be our good pals at Schopenko. That's right, Kirby. 1933 marks the 90th anniversary of America's favorite pencil company, Schopenko. How have they accomplished this? I'm glad you silently asked me. They have been delivering, uh, uh, doing what they say all the time. They Mm -hmm. always do that. They deliver quality merchandise at a fair price. They always go the extra mile for their distributor partners, and they only sell to uh, the promotional products industry. They're 100% focused on it. And they truly care about the success of distributor clients. Now, Kirby, you don't last – whoa, what the hell was that? It happens. Wow. I had yeah, a <laughs> little cough there. Uh, Kirby, you don't last almost a century as a fourth-generation family-owned and operated business without doing things the right way, now do you?
1: No, you, you certainly don't, not for that that long a period of time. And I think one of the things you said there was that they do they say what they're going to do and then they do what they say. And I think that uh, we just need more of that in the world today. Um, and so uh, the idea that uh, we have partners like that in Shepenko is really, really awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Kirby, you are spot on as always. Now, Shepenko and the products that they manufacture have clearly stood the test of time. The products and the people are simply the best. Alex Mokes, uh, Dan Towns, Daniel Towns. It's a great, great business with great people. So we invite you to head over to the newly redesigned shoppenco.com and get started on your next project. All right, Kirby. So today this is episode number 153. You have the honor of doing the upfront section. Why don't you go ahead and start us off?
1: Yeah, I think I think the headline uh today uh really is promo for good. Uh this this past weekend, I, you know, I just mentioned that I was uh at this golf outing and it was a mm-hmm. golf outing uh raising uh, awareness and raising funds for the Boys and Girls Club of Noblesville, Indiana. Um, they raise over seventy five thousand dollars for the event. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that you see is like, oh my gosh, it's a well- run event, and you see merch everywhere and there's sponsors. And they just it was one of those uh, events that's really done right. Mm-hmm. And it got me to thinking about another event that's done really, really right, um and that I got to follow along on on social media. And that's the the amazing event that is big slick. And I saw a post, um, from our buddy, David Schultz talking about the specific merch and how they raised, I think if I'm $181,000, just from merch, like they raised like three, three and a half million, but, um, it looked like an amazing event. I know you were at the event. So I wanted to kind of give you the floor and give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about, about how it went.
0: You're not going to give me the floor Kirby. I demand it. I (laughs) will take what is mine. The floor is mine. Um, no, I, I'll tell you what, um, Big Slick is something that uh, I know uh, Mandy rudd has been involved with and David yes. Schultz in our industry. Uh, Joan Keckner has been involved in it as well, who's also in the industry for, since its inception. This was year 14 of Big Slick, and it's grown and grown and grown and grown. And over the course of the entire uh, history of the event, they've raised over $21 million. And you mentioned this past uh, weekend, it was $3.5 million. So it's wow. you can see the growth there. Um, It was really amazing, but just from a promotional products perspective, what was really interesting to see, uh, and I know you've supported it with merchandise purchases, even though you haven't gone, I have for years as well, and what you end up seeing are these people walking all around downtown Kansas City wearing Big Slick stuff, and it could be from this year, it could be from last year, it could be from Big Slick at home during covid It could be from even before that. And so to see that was really cool. So it's a walking billboard for this event. So if you don't know what Big Slick is, you're going to see enough of it just walking around. The perpetual walking billboard we always talk about in our industry. You're going to see it walking around to the point where I got to figure what the hell is Big Slick. And you're going (laughs) to find out about it. Um, I mean, they had caps, drinkware, lip balm, slippers, badges, a celebrity signed guitar. And of course, what we've been talking about, the t-shirts. And like I said, almost $200,000 in the revenue was derived directly from merch sales. And so I did, you know, we don't talk about what we're going to talk about on this podcast before we record. And so I actually had this as a topic as well. So we're hitting it uh, twice. So what was it like from your perspective, seeing it from a distance?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, no, I knew that I was doing this golf thing, and so I knew early on I wasn't going to be able to go, so I knew the promo FOMO right. was going to be real. Um, but I, I, I don't know. This is one of those events that every time I kind of watch it from afar, I'm, I'm amazed by, just. I don't know. It just seems like it's so well run. And so they do such a great job. You talked about the idea of the merch running around and how that really does create that tribe. Um, Something that I think we all, if if we're doing any kind of event, whether it's for your company, whether it's for a nonprofit, this is exactly what you're trying to create. And so for me, every year, Big Slick from afar looks like a case study in how to do a fundraiser the right
0: way. It really is. And like I said, they've stacked it, right? It's every year, it stacks a little bit more. And they sold out of just about everything. I mean, yeah. the, the perfect amount of merch, they sold out about everything. And I thought about, you know, how do you position this in terms of what any of us are doing with our clients or any not-for-profits or where we're, we're close to? And we talked about the awareness. Obviously, there's the fundraising component. If you come with cool designs in and, and something people want to have, they will buy it. But what it does, it creates this memory, right? I have now, I think, probably seven big slick T-shirts. I've got a couple big slick hats. I now have some lip balm. Nice. I've got some lip balm. Um, but what it does, it when you put that back on or you're looking for something to wear, yeah. it brings you back to that moment. You know, we talk about music being a time machine. It can take you back right. to a certain place in time. Well done. Branded merchandise can do exactly the same thing. It can take you back to that event. If I was wearing my big slick shirt today, I'd think about the weekend. i think about the people I was with. i think about the show. Most importantly, i think about the $3.5 million raised for those kids uh, for cancer research at Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. So yeah. really cool, very well run. It's an entire group of volunteers that, that do this. And obviously, all the celebrities come out and uh, support it in a huge way in Kansas City. You know, it, it's it. if you don't know anything about Kansas City from a distance, it seems like it's just a pedestrian Midwest city. There's something weird in the water there. And I mean, weird in a good way. The 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 people that come out of Kansas City, the celebrities that come out of there have such an affinity for their hometown. And it shows the people who mm-hmm. live there have an affinity for their hometown. And so that was really cool to see as well. So well, and really let me kudos jump, to everybody. And real yeah, quick,
1: yeah. just to jump in the the idea that they did a job that I don't think we always do. Uh, when David yeah. did that post talking about the specific amount of money raised just from merch, that is right. something that, again, I don't know that we always do a great job of tracking. It's like, oh, hey, yeah. we've got that. We did this this amazing fundraiser, but this much came from specifically from mm-hmm. branded merch. If you want to uh, create a, um, yeah, a case study within our industry, that those are the kind of data right. points that you kind of need. And man, that's impressive.
0: Yeah. For once, it's not a way it felt good and it looked really cool. It's here's actual line item donations. Good stuff, Kirby. Glad you brought it up. Hey, distributors, I got a quick question for you. Is your marketing working? And if you don't know, that's a problem. And if you don't know, you want to reach out to our pals over at Promo Pulse. They can help you consistently amplify your sales through stunningly beautiful app on marketing. It's so easy. You can customize the set and forget it. Customize the set and forget it. You do it twice probably in five minutes. (laughs) That's right. So, Learn more at promopulse.io slash amp. Okay, Kirby, why don't we shift gears a little bit? Um, This week has been uh, the North American Leadership Conference Mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C., and seen a couple of posts about that. Um, But I think more importantly, at least from my perspective, something that's near and dear to my heart, something I've been a part of, uh, eight of the last 10 years, wasn't able to go this year. Unfortunately, I was... Uh, selected to go but unfortunately had to uh, back out was lead which if you're not familiar what lead is legislative education and action day and what that is it's a day where promotional product professionals go to capitol hill there's appointments set and you get to meet with the people who are running the federal government, not generally the congressmen and the senators, uh, congress people, I should say, congressmen and women and senators, uh, generally, it's their staffers. But trust me, they're the ones really running the country because they're all very sharp. I want to know from your perspective, mm-hmm. Kirby. You know, one of the things I, I I feel very passionately about is a. I think one of PPAI's jobs, the industry association job, is to advocate for the industry. Yeah. And this is such a tangible case history of that. I want to know what you think about it from your perspective. Yeah, I, we've
1: talked about this, I think, some in the past, but I, I agree with you. I think that this is one of the most important jobs that PPAI has, like I like just yeah. period end. Um, I think the idea of them advocating in all kinds of ways is one of the things that they can do probably better than any of us can do individually. And so the idea that there is a a coordinated effort to sort of, um, you know, come upon Washington, DC to do this with not only like with amazing folks in our industry. So thank you to all the people who've done it. But also, I think with a coordinated message, I think that it's from what I understand, and you've done it, I have not. But there's at least the base of, hey, this is the, we're all going to tell it from our own perspective. We're all going to have, you know, the different ways we say it, but these are the points we're going to try and get across and let people know about this, the the power of small business and how our industry affects that and all that sort of thing. And so from my perspective, I agree. Um, We have talked about this in the past and I think it's, it is, it is under um, thanked. Underappreciated. Yeah. Underappreciated. Uh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, it is an underappreciated thing that I think many of the leaders, not only at PPAI, but those who volunteer their time do. And I just think it's awesome.
0: Yeah. And I want to take a little bit of a different direction because we have talked about this before. So, yeah. number one, it's not just advocating for the promotional products industry, it's really advocating. It. Most people on Capitol Hill, when you spend a few minutes with them, they understand the power a branded merchandise, how it can be a force for good, how it helps how half the most of them get yeah, elected, elected to office, quite frankly. So no, one, it, it's really more about the value of small business. It's mm-hmm. the va- it's making sure that the laws are uh, written in such a way that it's favorable to small businesses flourishing in our industry as independent contractor status and things like that. Yeah, the direction I want to take though that we haven't talked about is I really w- hope PPAI continues to as we get back to normal, right? Because it was mm-hmm. virtual for a few years because yeah. of of COVID and I did a virtual one and that was weird. Um, <laughs> sure. You know, it's always, all, all those things are weird when you do it virtually. I really hope PPAI continues to make the vetting process stringent in terms of making sure that the right people are going and they're going for the right reasons because those are the people that represent all of us. Right. Mm-hmm. Those that those 30, 40, 50 people that are going to Capitol Hill that went to Capitol Hill earlier this week, they represent all of us. And in historically, PPI has done such a great job of making you know, it's an application process. Yeah. And so I it's really probably hope, why I haven't been there yet. I really hope that they continue to do that um, for the entire group that goes because it's so critically important to our industry. And again, like you said. Thank you to everybody who took some time yeah. out of their day, spent money to go up on Capitol Hill. So, you know, PPA, I subsidized by providing one night in a hotel. But some of that expenses, getting up getting up there uh, does come out of pocket. So sure. uh, I want to thank everybody for taking the time to advocate for us and our industry.
1: Yeah, good stuff, man. That's, uh, and again, I know you've done it. It is something that I'm yeah. I'm in, interested in doing at some point, but it hasn't worked out. So, um, yeah, I think kudos to everybody who's done it.
0: Absolutely. All right, Kirby got another topic for us on the topic, on the Kirby wheel of topics. Why don't you go ahead and spin it and okay. see where it lands? Okay. Oh, <laughs> where, oh, where'd it land?
1: So gig workers. All so right, gig, gig workers economy. get five gold stars from all okay. of us, apparently. So apparently the, uh, the there's become such a prevalence of five-star reviews on, on all the apps that we use, whether it's Uber or Lyft or Airbnb, that Mm -hmm. it's starting to render customer reviews virtually meaningless. Mm -hmm. The wall street Mm -hmm. journal has done a, um, has done a um, story about this and there's, they're they're talking about the difference and they're actually like some of these apps make it harder to leave a lower than five-star review. In other words, if you Mm -hmm. say, Hey, you don't leave a five-star review, they'll actually ask follow-up questions. Like what, what went wrong? Which again, if you're just trying to leave a review, it makes it actually harder. So, sometimes either you're going to give the five or you're not going to uh, give it at all. I said, right. uh, Airbnbs in the US average a 4.7 score, um, which is pretty high. Um, and yep. so I guess my question to you, average Uber passenger score is 4.9. Um, so it, so it, the question really is,
0: are the uh,
1: reviews becoming meaningless?
0: A thousand percent. Um, I think they become meaningless because you never know how many of them are phony. And we' talked about right. that before that yep. that a lot of online reviews are phony. And I think it becomes phony because it renders it meaningless for this reason. We joke a lot privately on this podcast, as as people that uh, people are terrible. We always joke about that. But honestly, yeah. people are nice. Generally, people yeah. are nice, and they don't want to hurt other people's feelings. And so, you kind of have this rationale when you're hitting when you're mashing that button, as the kids would say, to give a review. Well, maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe I'm being too harsh. And yeah, you know, uh, and and then again, what you said was a very interesting comment. It it asks you to justify a lower than a five star rating. And in, in in my brain, what I hear is you're you're increasing friction. I just want to get off the app. I just want yep. to go, 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 go. So I've kind of become somewhat that person. So I'm either a five star rating or three or below. I don't give four star ratings. Hmm. So if if it's if it if it goes everything goes according to plan and everything's fine, fives is fine. I don't mind. If it's not great, if there are significant issues, it's not a four. It's a three or lower. And I will. That's when I'll feel. You know what? I'm gonna burn the calories to write out exactly what the hell was wrong with this Uber. Hmm or exactly what was wrong with this Airbnb, or exactly yeah. what was wrong with this product. So, you know, everybody wants feedback. And that's a wonderful thing. I crave it, you crave it as we, we crave it as business owners. Yeah, for sure. But I want feedback that's going to be productive. I want to I know when I'm doing well. But I also want to know when I'm not doing well. And the worst thing you can have happen is zero communication. I mean, I can't imagine having a client where you're working with and they just stop communicating to you. So that's what these things try to avoid, that they try to keep that communication line open so that they can improve services. But generally, unfortunately, I think it's become kind of meaningless. Yeah, so, and the other thing I would say, so, and it's kind of interesting because I have two sides
1: of this perspective because of our experience um, running Airbnbs, Mm -hmm. right? Sure, sure. Um, and so, yeah, obviously, you know, having a high uh, score is really important because Airbnb creates what's called a superhost program, right? And the, they show those superhosts first. So there's a there is a marketing advantage to being a superhost. Amy get does all the work on that. But what was always kind of frustrating to us is the impact a lower rating will give you. It's like the, that that three or that four seems to carry more weight in your overall 100%. thing than the five that you have you know 200 five-star ratings and one rating that's a three or a four or whatever it is and it really right. drops you down it's like well okay i think so all it's of not, those so are, it's
0: not weighted it's not weighted equally from it what it doesn't feel like been? it yeah it doesn't okay. feel like
1: it and so it's like i think those three star reviews are great that's fine like you said but it shouldn't one of those shouldn't outweigh 200 of the others and it's like okay we want the feedback but i also don't want it to jack up our business because one person right. was just having a shitty day right like so right it, 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 i think that the the ratings i think i don't know that they're meaningless but i do understand that i at least look at them with with you know a little bit yeah. more skepticism than i did
0: yeah. yeah well the other part of it too is how these things are calculated are different by business so there's no uniform mm. code or standard yeah so you know uh, and, and and i would like to take this opportunity i would like to invite the ceo of airbnb to join us on this podcast next week and explain how this is calculated and then the following we're going to bring the ceo from uber on and then two weeks after today we're going to have those two debate we're going to come. i'm just kidding we're, but no, we're doing I, I, none I, of that nice. <laughs> no 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 <laughs> But I do wish there was some sort of uniformity, and I do think, look, if you have ten ratings and you have five, five of them are five stars, and five of them are zero stars, then your rating should be two and a half. It should every rating should have an equal measure, right? Um, so if that's not what it is, that's a, that's a problem. So, it, it's it it just feels, you know, the over. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. It's just yeah. it's just feels like it
1: feels like we've again reviews are important and i again i think that like you said we want the feedback but like you know it's the reason like i take google reviews a little bit more seriously than i do right. facebook reviews because i have multiple multiple facebook reviews at Hosman marketing that are yeah. spam and they're cryptocurrency right. they've never done business with us there's no and there's no way to take them down or at least it's hard no. to take them down you got to burn a lot of ca- calories which yeah. and and so it's like I, I think so many times it's just making me more skeptical.
0: Maybe we've just reached a tipping point where we do need some sort of standardization that that companies adopt. I don't want that federally regulated. I'm just saying it'd be cool. Yep. Service oriented companies just kind of said, here's what it looks like. And here's, yeah. let's be transparent. Here's how it's all calculated. So yeah. we all know what we're doing now. Speaking of tipping points, as I transition to our next topic, I am pissed off, Kirby. I am angry. <laughs> okay. I am really, really, I've hit my tipping point on tips. Okay. I hate the tipping culture that we have become. Okay. I am so irritated every time I turn around, whether I'm getting pizza delivered, whether I'm picking up a coffee, whether I'm st- I am everywhere. I am getting a beer at the ballpark. There's a tip line now. There's a suggested tip line every single place I go. I go to drop off my dog at daycare. When I pick her up, there's a line. There's a line for tipping. I, they didn't drive there. They're not delivering the dog to me. Yeah, I think we've hit a ridiculous, we are so over tipping as a society. And here's where it's really the problem. We are now paying workers as little as possible because they are being promised tips as part of their compensation that may or may not happen. So what was traditionally like restaurant workers and, and bars and things like that generally rely on tips as a significant source of their income. We've now decided to apply that to just about anything where someone touches your order. So if you're standing in line at Starbucks at a hotel in Kansas City, for example, last weekend, and maybe you get a Danish of some sort, some sort of flaky pastry, there's a tip line. Because I stood in a line, there's there's now a place for me to tip because they handed me a, a, a flaky pastry. Yeah. Herbie, I'm over it. I think we need to get away from the tip society, pay people in a fair and living wage I will be fine. Raise the prices. I don't care. This. I, I'm tired of feeling guilty because I'm not tipping somebody for something that I'm doing myself. Yeah. Thank you. It's good. I like it. So, yeah,
1: I, I actually think that this is so obviously it, it, if you have weighted tables and that sort of thing, um, you know, there are certain, as you said, bartenders, those kind of folks yeah. that the, they're making hell 90% of what they make through tips. Right. Um, because and I know the, that
0: just. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Let me interject. I know that, and for those workers who historically make, Agreed. they're it's a, they're allowed to make below minimum wage because yeah. of tips. I always tip twenty to twenty five percent because I know that's it. I'm talking about your standard yep. issue workers who are handing me a Danish.
1: Yeah, no, and, and by the way, I agree, and I think, and I could be wrong on this. This would be interesting to to hear from folks who more live in the finance side, but I actually think that this is more, uh, like sort of the credit card companies kind of doing this yeah. because it's the default, right? Like they, there are, I'm sure, um, you know, distributors out there that if they're utilizing a certain credit card thing, it just yep. automatically creates that additional line or you have to uh-huh. you have to actually program it to not do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I actually, uh, obviously I agree that I shouldn't be paying a tip for somebody who didn't provide a specific service. I'm just paying for right. the thing I ordered, um, but right. I, th- I wonder if it's not, not necessarily the Danish company, but more the credit card piece of it. Um, mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that. I could be.
0: Well, I I don't know if you're right or wrong, but I'll tell you, I don't care, because yeah. what you're telling as a business owner. If I am going to your local pizza place Mm -hmm. and I didn't choose delivery, I am getting in my car and I'm picking it up myself. And there's a line that says tip, you need to figure out your shit because (laughs) I don't want to feel bad picking up my own pizza. Yeah, no. no, And I don't, and that's what happens. And what it tells me about you as a, as a uh, business owner is that you're not paying your people enough. Mm. If you're asking me to tip for things I shouldn't be tipping for, you're telling me you're not paying your people enough. And I've got a big issue with that. I really do. I mean, I, I think less of your organization. Again, it. I I, I understand like if something delivers a pizza, that, that's providing me a service. DoorDash, that's providing me a service. I'm lazy. Really? I don't want to go do it. But if it's I'm you- standing in line and I'm buying six people and I finally get up there and I get my flaky pastry, I am absolutely not tipping you. Yeah. If I'm picking up my dog from daycare, I'm not tipping you. Yeah. You charged me X amount of dollars for the product or service and you didn't do anything other than provide the product or service you're supposed to.
1: Yeah.
0: So again, I got no argument. (laughs) No, I didn't. Well, and and again, and I'm sure a lot of it is, you know, this is the processing system we use, but trust me, you, you know, you can control things very easily through apps. I have a hard time believing that it's a giant caloric burn yeah. to make it so we don't have a tip line when people come into the store. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have a really tough time with that. Maybe I'm wrong. Perhaps I'm I'm wrong. But I'll tell you something I'm not wrong about, Kirby. And that's the fact that Shepenko turns 90 years old this year. And you don't get to 90 without doing some things right. They do what they say all the time. They deliver quality merchandise at a fair price. And they don't ask for tips. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> they don't ask for tips. <laughs> They go the extra mile for their distributor partners and still don't ask for tips. Yeah, they don't, they, they, don't I mean, they'll take some, some natty light. light, but but no tips. They'll take some natty light, absolutely. <laughs> and they truly care about the success of their distributor partners without asking you for a tip. So if you want to work with a company that's well-established, fourth-generation run, and that's such great people, and such a really cool, unique product line, I know pen- people don't think of pencils. You should. It's a very cost-effective The branding on there is awesome, especially as we come up to election season that's coming up and, and, you know, summer. It's a great time to talk to your clients about the unique uh, branding possibilities of the pencil. All right, Kirby. So visit them at Shepenco.com. Newly redesigned, by the way. All right, Kirby. So I think that'll do it for today. I want to thank you for having the courage to podcast. And uh, that'll be 20%, please.